Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the Beer and a Movie podcast. Before we get this episode started, I just wanted to make a quick announcement that we will be doing our very first live recording of the podcast at the third annual Corpus Christi Brewery Festival uh, from 2 to 3 p.m. That is going to happen Saturday, March 9th. We are going to talk Smoking the Bandit, Strange Brew. We are going to drink beers from uh, the breweries that are going to be there with their offerings, so you can expect local favorites like Lazy Beach, Rebel Toad, Lorelei, B&J's Brew Pub, etc. And you can also check some out-of-towners out, like Allstat, Freetail, Weathered Souls, and a few more. So do not forget to check it out. This is our first live recording of the podcast, and you can be there. We're going to have probably some audience interaction stuff where you can get in on the podcast. You can be on it. Uh, so come check us out. That's Saturday, March 9th, 2 to 3 p.m. That's at the Art Center of Corpus Christi, third annual Corpus Christi Brewery Festival. We'll see you there. Until then, enjoy this episode. Adios. That is what will happen. Let me see. Didn't even set my shit up properly. Go away, go away. <clears throat> Ow now, brown cow. Sibilus, sibilus, sibilus. All right, ready? Welcome to the Beer and a Movie Podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes we achieve outstanding pairings, and other times we give ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm Carlos Cooper, with me as always, Joe Hilliard and Dave Gurney. And today we are doing something different. We're going to take I a love break. it when we do something different. We're going to take a break from the normal format because I threw everyone a wild card when we got here. Yes. So, rather than opening a beer, talking about what the beer is, and then talking about the film, I'm going to first talk about the second beer that we are going to drink. So I'm going to start with the second one. Breaking format here, folks. Breaking format. So you guys are going to have to uh, get through this first part, which I know is going to be so hard for you because our podcast is so bad. It's the best podcast on online. Oh, yeah. Easily the best. Um, I think you're you're about to anger some people. (laughs) Some people out there, you're about to anger. That's okay with me. Uh, Tweet at me, at Beer Movie Show. Um, But so what I'm doing is I am going to... uh, my my beer that I have brought for the second half of this episode takes a little bit of prep prep work, a little preparation in order for it to be enjoyed properly. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a Goose Island Bourbon County brand stout, the original bourbon barrel aged stout. Yes. This is a 2018 bottle, um, and I am going to um, modify it slightly, and we will talk more about that when the second half of the episode comes up, I'll give you the full deets. So I know you're on the edge of your seat. Uh, I literally am. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to open that beer and then do something to it. I'm going to we'll do something later. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do something to it. And then we're going to drink it. We're not right. just, I I'm mean, watching you. I mean, Goose Island, they're great. Much respect, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna tinker with your uh, creation here a little bit. Um, don't be mad we, at me. and we have had so th- this is actually for, for those who are our loyal so this, listeners. This is an alum. This is actually <laughs> the second time we've had 
Bourbon County on the podcast. Yes, the first you. It was an early one. It was when we were doing the uh, film uh, Tully. Tully, yes, because because when we were talking about young adult, there is a character in that film who brews his own or distills his own whiskey in his garage, and so we thought, oh, it'd be smart to have some kind of bourbon barrel aged thing. Yes, I had a bottle of 2016, so that's right. Which was great. It was great. Yeah, uh, yeah so work. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop this open. <sighs> oh yeah, quality fully, and then I'm gonna pour it up, and then uh, we'll get to it a little bit later. So stay okay. tuned for more on that. But as has been um, the pattern over the last episode and a half, I guess, is uh, David has brought a, brought a beer. That's right. So we're gonna go ahead and get uh, an actual beer into our glass that doesn't need any uh, alteration. And this one is actually from a brewery called Monkless. They're out of Bend, Oregon. Oregon, uh, a state known for its microbrewing and uh, craft brewing scene for many, many years. But this one coming from Monkless, uh, it is a Belgian dark, Belgian style dark ale, uh, 9% alcohol by volume. It's called Meet Your Maker. And it's a corked bottle. It is. There we go. Love that sound. Oh yeah. So um, th- my idea bringing this one with the with the name Meet Your Maker is that uh, the film that we're doing today, or the primary film we're doing, um, we'll talk about some others too, is Alita: Battle Angel, uh, new out in theaters just recently, um, featuring a character, the lead character, the title character, being a cyborg, right? Um, that is literally made by another character in the film. And uh, so I thought, you know, th- kind of the opening of the film is this character meeting her maker, literally. And, literally. Uh, literally, yeah. So so I got that poured in the glass, nice, true to, true to its name, dark, although there's light coming through. It's got kind of like almost a red tint to it, right? It yeah. Like a, I totally zoned out. What is this beer? This, <laughs> it is a Belgian-style dark ale. Okay, that's what I thought. I, I, I missed... It's also the. F- I know you were involved. You're, yeah, you're, you're, I was. I was you're prepping. Making a recipe. Here. You're over right. there uh, with your witch's pot. Ooh, yes. uh, yeah. This is My cauldron. This is Monkless's. Uh, I heard the Monkless f- part. Flagship beer. It's this a is, flagship. This is their flagship. It is. Oh, okay. Can't right. wait to talk about it. Uh, all right, Dave, set us up. Okay. What's this movie? So. Alita we, Battle Angel. We saw this all together. We did. It was we our did. first time. Yeah, actually it was. That was the first time it? we had all seen it. I saw a movie with Ethan. I saw Tully with Ethan, actually. Okay. Um, but there has never been more than half of us at a time mm. at a screening. And, That's right. Uh, well, we should say it was an occasion film. It was the sneak preview. kind of Advanced all, um, screening. Among right. all Alamo Drafthouse theaters with an exclusive Q&A after with Robert Rodriguez. Yes, which I, ha- which I want to make sure we don't forget to talk about the Q&A. Um, I will say seeing movies with you guys is frustrating because I can't talk about it afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that did come up a little bit. We we, as we kept David, ourselves as Dave and I were walking out. We almost spoke of the film. We and saluted then, <laughs> one another and then walked in three different directions. And then, right. and then we had to stop. Um, but yeah, so well, I'm eager. To, I'm what, eager to get into this one. Who who is behind it? Who's responsible for okay, this? What so, is it about? So this Who's is in it. Well, I'll, I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. So this is originally. Uh, concept that was launched in a m- manga, 
Am I gonna? Is it manga or manga? It's it's. I think it's pronounced manga. Manga. But okay. In the interview afterwards, Robert Rodriguez really wanted us to know he knew how to pronounce that word right. <laughs> properly. So so uh, originally launched in a manga that was, I believe, adapted into an anime film. I believe so. And I haven't seen that film, but now has been adapted for live action slash motion capture uh, for performance Americans. capture for for a global audience. But yes, made by an American filmmaker, Robert Rodriguez, but based on a screenplay that James Cameron, who many will know, <laughs> many will know Sorry. Uh, from from Aliens, uh, the Terminator series, True uh, Titanic, True Lies, more recently Avatar. Um, this was a project <laughs> that he... I'm going to make fart noises at James Cameron this entire I episode. I <laughs> know you will. We'll talk more about that later. But that he had wanted to do himself, had written a screenplay treatment for, um, that he had shared with Robert Rodriguez, who is a, their, their friends, filmmaking friends. And Rodriguez was, you know, gushing about it, loved it, wanted to do it himself. And eventually, after a few years... Cameron basically said, yeah, I'm not going to get around to this one. You, you go ahead and do it. What? And so now this is Robert Rodriguez's directorial interpretation of a James Cameron screenplay of this manga that has existed for a couple decades. Now, maybe I misunderstood, but when hearing Rodriguez talk about it, it seemed like he wanted to see the movie after reading the script and yes. was hoping James Cameron would make it. And then when James Cameron committed to 10,000 Avatar movies, yeah. I can't wait. Oh my God. <laughs> Not that's that scared the shit out of me for two reasons. One, I oh, I hope you're lying. Otherwise, I don't know what kind of person you are. Uh, two, it was really loud. <laughs> but <laughs> it was loud. Uh, but yeah, once that happened, then it became like a kind of a conversation that they had that ended in Rodriguez. Titanic's a cultural right. event that I understand. Right. I, Avatar is a cultural event. The original that I do not understand. Vice versa for me. Huh? You you understand the Avatar cultural experience? I do. And you like the movie? Fuck no. So why do you... What, wait, 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 guys. We're getting off here. Let, <laughs> we're getting into we, the let's, leads let's, already. Let's get into Cameron and Rodriguez in the latter Later, half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah. But I get what you're saying. Okay. The, I hope we have a special beer for that. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's ground us in this film here. So, so I've go kind ahead, of described ahead, some of the background of the production of the film. The basic story here is that we have this lead character that is sort of found in a trash heap, essentially. There is part of a cyborg a torso. robot right. creature torso and head. That, that is found, and this... By um, the perfect person. Right, this doctor, well, he's he's going through for scraps, sure. right? So that he, right. Um, who, who does a lot of work with prosthetics and other um, sorts of, uh, you know, advanced... Biomechanical. Biomechanical. Uh, modifications. He's a cyborg right. doctor. Um, and, and That's it, accurate. Right. And in this case, uh, played by Christoph Waltz. Who I love. Love him. And uh, he finds this, uh, has a body ready-made, you find out why later, but he's able to put it to this new body and get it working again, and gives it the name Alita. So Alita then kind of learns about the world very quickly. A robot a, with amnesia. It is a post-apocalyptic yes. sort of dystopia to an extent. <laughs> uh, where pop the post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic. <laughs> and she, uh, you know, finds out that this world is kind of cruel and uneven and... Uh, and loves sports. And loves sports, right. She loves sports. So... Um, and, and Probably because she's just naturally good at them. No, no, no. I'm saying that our, our, our the world that we live in loves sports. Oh, they love a sport specifically. Yes, 
Yeah. Uh, it, so let's. Okay. So we, <laughs> no, go ahead. What do we? <laughs> we both forgot the name of the sport. Oh, motorball. 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 Yeah. Um, let's let's just get straight into. So she becomes a motorball al- uh, phenomenon and uh, has a boyfriend. Of course, he's well, human. Yeah. That is uh, motorball uh, behind the scenes, and there's a guy that uh, runs the whole motorball thing. So Mahershala a Ali, thank God. And for then him. there's a Truman uh, Show because yeah. it's a post-apocalyptic world where there's a spaceship in the sky that's still tethered to the ground. And Zalem. The, the guy that, that started and created all of this looks Nova. upon us from above, mm-hmm. uh, like Truman Show. Yeah. So let's let's address the elephant in the room. Go Alita ahead. has giant ass eyes. Yeah, she does. Yeah, like giant ass big manga mean, eyes. Yeah. Big, yeah, big manga eyes. Let's what I said, um, <laughs> but uh, and it's dumb. Oh, the the manga eyes are stupid. See, and I, her no. CGI face is dumb. It's bad. Huh. No, that's just the model that she is. It I, does I get over that quickly. She's that she was no. an attractive. So that really hung you up. Character it didn't hang me up at all. It she, didn't. It didn't hang me. She's up. a very attractive I, character. I got used to it and mm-hmm. I forgot about it at me a certain too. point. Yeah, okay. but that doesn't make it any less dumb, <laughs> and that doesn't make it any less of a bad decision. If you're, ma- I mean. If you're going to commit to an anime aesthetic, then don't be a bitch and commit to it. Everyone should have crazy eyes. Every every cyborg should look, you know, whatever. But oh, I see your but if you're adapting, then adapt. Right. Hmm. You know, if don't try If this was to, a model of a of a of a of a robot of an android yeah. that we're going to dispose a portion of, we would see even more androids would have the same model type and yeah. eye structure. Don't 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 dis- don't um don't adapt and then like just like Zalem, try to tether yourself to this other world in order to please fans of that. You know, you don't want to stay tethered to the old format. The well, that's, old a, that, that's a that's a small medium. point, a criticism. But what what was your broader view of the entire film? My broad my broader view of the entire film is that Robert Rodriguez is better than this. Um, huh. That he is uh, more talented than. Um, this movie, I think, gives him credit for, or that at least shows his talents in it. Um, I think he's capable of much better, and I think that it, it it was it was fun and entertaining and stupid, and I had a good time watching it because the action sequences were exquisite. But I, I don't need to ever think about this movie again. Right? Huh? I I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I felt like it was a lot of fun. Now, I was bothered when I saw it as the trailer with the look of the Alita character. Not being a huge manga or anime guy, um, you know, the the look of that isn't something that instantly resonates with me. But as Joe said, I forgot about that pretty quickly once I actually started watching the feature. And I, I don't know. I thought the concept was... Uh, simple enough to to work and the visuals i found really compelling i enjoyed the look of the the world i liked seeing all those different places the city itself the outskirts where they go um you know searching that sort of crashed ship from uh, mars or whatever um the, i don't know it, it it really and and certainly the motorball scenes I thought were they're a great. lot of fun. Yeah, they're super fun. It was it like was, I said, action sequences are great. The bar fight, fantastic. And seeing it in three D, 
I thought really worked pretty well. And I'm not usually somebody who cares about 3D that much. I don't pay the upcharge to to go no. see most of the, you know, superhero films in I 3D or anything. It. But this one was sort of a it wasn't even an option. It just if you're going to go see this sneak preview, you're going to see, see it, in, it 3D. in 3D. And I liked it. I'm kind of glad I saw it in 3D. Yeah. Uh, I disagree about the 3D. Huh. Um, you found it distracting? I didn't or? find it distracting. It, did, it added nothing. It added nothing. Yeah. And if you're going to And it never does. If it's going to no, I disagree with that as well let's if go you're, if you're gonna go 3d fucking do 3d yeah, i want was, shit jumping out at me yeah i want to no, feel like if a character's about to get stabbed that. that i'm about to get stabbed like right. i want that really over the top like ridiculous 80s 3d well, don't if make it do silly it. but at least do something no with make it, it there silly. was nothing See, there i thought there was there was that sequence in the rain i really yeah, like that. that i thought that that was it's almost like they said hey we did this one thing now let's make it a 3d movie it, it's just like i get the idea behind like 3d movies that aren't like really heavy on the exaggerated 3D aspects is to I give you depth perception money grab. to give you depth perception to make like try to put you in the world more than if you were just watching it. Mm-hmm. But I think that it I don't think that that works ever. Mm. Um, the it, only the there's one time that I think that a more subdued 3D has worked, which we'll get to later. But I don't think that it did anything for this film. I think that you could have I don't know it could have just it. The only thing that it does for this film is every now and then make you go, oh, yeah, this isn't 3D. Hmm. And which then brings you back to, oh, I'm just watching a movie. This isn't real. And it kind of takes you out of the world almost to be like, yeah, this isn't 3D. This is a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I I didn't get pulled out of it too much. I I felt like it helped me to feel part of that world uh, maybe a little more than I would have otherwise. And I thought it was a cool world to, to sort of experience. I thought it was interesting. I like post-apocalyptic fiction but i think at this point i've kind of gotten burnt out on the super dark takes on it and this isn't that this it's is purposefully not that right it, it it's more of, i mean again it's, it's a distractingly PG-13. not that if you, if you don't mind. <laughs> I, I, don't, I mean like really like, like in that the post-apocalyptic future i say post-apocalyptic that's probably not the right term because i don't remember yeah. if i know there was a no it is ball. there was no, there was a fall yeah, yeah, yeah they the talked fall. about right. it yeah, yeah. everything's so clean and bright I mean, like, oh, like it was no. doing. Hold on, it, it, I during think the daytime great. scenes, it was doing that. Everything's yeah, clean well, and bright. Yeah, it's not cloudy not, and not and drab that, and like right. a cool it's, it's, color. We're not in Blade Runner. Yeah, I I I think that it is a little gr- a grimmer take on uh, the post apocalyptic thing than you're giving it credit for. I don't think it departs from that as much as you're. No, saying I don't. It is. I don't think it's it's not a full departure. I don't think it's making it look like a Candyland or something. But I do think it has enough of a hey this like i i just feel like again blade runner we've mentioned the, you know the road i mean i could the book of Eli. i could point to all match. these films that i like it's not that i don't like those films but everything is so it's like everything is overcast uh-huh. and it's like a constant rainstorm trash. there's nothing the art directed trash through and i kind of like seeing a film that's like okay yeah the world crumbles but you know there three, is a sanitation three, system 300 years later what there's you know there, the sun still exists yeah <laughs> yeah they didn't kill the sun yeah. you know like so that <laughs> That there's still some kind of viable beauty around. I'll give you that. And again, it's a broken down world. It's like things are in disrepair. There's, you know, obviously a lot of poverty, especially in this ground city that that we're uh, based in there. Um, We never really see the Sky City, although there's all this kind of um, 
hinting at it being a better place. We we don't know the best place, right? But then like when they utopia. get out, when they get outside the city, that the natural uh, beauty of the the world outside it is pr- is pretty nice too. And I kind of like that. And and it makes sense that people don't go out there because the grid doesn't. Yeah, well, exist those anymore. would be people, day, yeah. day trips because you got to get back to right. Yeah, you before it's unsafe. Yeah. I just feel like the plot of this movie has been duplicated many times, and I can talk to yeah. We can talk about Running Man. I mean, we could just start and go. We could have a game of this exact thing. Where in the future, the only thing that really matters to, is keeping people dumb by force feeding them sports, and the sports becoming the, the politics of the sport itself becoming the life and death scenarios of all the living creatures that are watching this sport. It, it, it this movie. I left the movie thinking I, I just watched a really silly movie that I'll never think about again. And, but my 13 year old daughter is going to love this. And I told her I saw this movie at the uh, advanced screening. And she said, Oh my God, I totally want to see that. And I said, Of course you do. This is a movie tailor made for you. The manga background. Yeah. The, uh, the cute boys. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. He's a cute boy. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 Handsome the, man. Right. The um, kind of. Everything works it out. Looks like a Jonas brother. Yeah, exactly. Everything works out to get the characters moved along where they need to get, even when they coincidentally meet the exact same characters that they do. They need to to get her into the game, to get her to win the game, to get her to take down the maker of the game. I mean, it's all. It, it's not a great screenplay. And at the end of no, the day, James I Cameron's think a trash writer. Post-apocalyptic world that's completely created in CGI had better start show me something amazing. Otherwise it's just another forgettable movie that's giving us the exact same thing. I'm glad you said that because that's what I don't like about it. I'm tired of seeing CGI created worlds. I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. We know you can make whatever I mean, you want. If you're going to do that, computer. it better be incredible. Yeah. And this but it's pretty, hard to yeah. do that. Sure. Um, I mean, the thing that makes movies like the thing, for instance, right. uh, or the, Blade Runner yeah. or, you know, any of those types of films that makes it so makes them so great and like age so well is those were tactile, like real Practical things. Sets. Like the thing that made the force awakens as successful as it was is the millennium Falcon. The inside of that is a real set. They built that. Like, mm-hmm. they, like they built all that stuff yeah. and it's just better that way. Okay. And it's more impressive to me when you're able to achieve certain special effects without CGI using practical, like those are the things that make it look real. Like, in the thing when that like dog's head fucking splits open and shit, that's wild. And it's mm-hmm. still wild like 30 years later. The CGI stuff, like um, the lawnmower man, doesn't hold up. Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> Jeff Fahey in this one. I, I like seeing him pop. No, seriously. He's, yeah. a, he's a guy who I like seeing in films yeah. and, and he pops up. He has, he has a little uh, sequence. Yeah, and, I, and I, actually he's in one of my favorite parts of the film is that bar scene that they have. Great where, scene. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the action sequences are well executed, but yeah. every, I mean, I think the only piece of CGI that works super well in this movie is... Uh, the mohawked guy, the bounty Gruishka. hunter. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was in Game of Thrones and some, you know, some of those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's just it's oh, just his wait, face. No, you're talking about uh, the guy that, with the Ed's, sword, Ed Screen. Uh, yeah, as, uh, yeah. Uh, Zapan or Zapan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah like with the sword. Yeah, that's like you know crazy or whatever. The, 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 this amazing sword, but yeah. like that guy. That CGI has done well. It, to me, I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. Oh, no, the CGI was seamless in that you... Kn- in that part, not in all of it. Well, it was just... It, 
climbing up the ropes that are tethered to the flying saber. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Cable. Yeah. I don't need. Yeah, the cable. The, yeah. I don't, the, the little roto rooter on the outside. I don't need that shit. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Well, that's a, that is. A, didn't like it. That, that is a plot device that is certainly well that we revisit bad. that we re- we re- revisit it twice so that they can set up how these. It's a it, they yeah. they send a uh, a big washer if you will right. down, down like the cables saw. that are right. attached yeah it's a buzz saw that goes down so they can get people <laughs> off of the line Call they that. show you how to do it the first time yeah. so that when they get there the second time you already have been uh, told telegraphed exactly how it's supposed to work yeah yeah I well I'm 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 sorry to hear you guys uh, really were disappointed by this one I mean I now, knew I knew going into it's it, not a movie that's targeting me well I, and, I guess and not. I, I wasn't disappointed either okay. I, I expected to hate it a lot more than I didn't hate oh. it. I expected to hate it and I didn't hate it. Yeah. I didn't like it, but there. I, I was told I would hate it by everyone that I told that I was going to go see it. Yeah. Oh, are you <laughs> serious? That looks like a piece of crap. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Similar. I, I saw that I piece of crap first. I don't think I don't think people told me that I was going to hate it. I think people when I said I was going to go see it were like, "Ooh, that does not seem like something you would like." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I I will say I expected to hate it. I had no intention of seeing it before David, you approached us about it right. going to the advanced screening. Uh, so that being said, when you go in with the expectations set that low, that the fact that I had fun during moments of it at all yeah. was better than I expected. Okay. So I didn't hate it, but I, and I, I mean, if, Very it, well said, if, I agree. if there was, if there was less other stuff and more just like, if it was like Mad Max Fury Road where it's literally just, one action sequence that's barely split up by pieces of dialogue, I'd be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go but, back to well, the, and, the and fact it, that it tries and to honestly, sto- have I think a story. The thing, yeah, the thing that I like least about it, I mean, so I, I like the whole thing where, okay, I like big spectacle films. I do. What's How, the last great one that you saw? Well, maybe I'm Mad Max you, Fury Road. Spot. I mean, oh, that, yeah, that's yeah. probably a good. Well, but, I don't know if it was one between there and then, but I, I agree. No, with you it's, there. it's that's hard a to fantastic say. The movie. problem is, is that most of the money that goes into them these days is into the superhero franchises. Yeah, and I'm burnt out on those. So Super. to me, when something like this comes along, that granted. It's not a new property because it's based on a manga that had an anime already. That you I, had no knowledge. But of. I, it's clean I came, for you. Yeah. I came into it clean. Right. It felt fresh to me, and yeah. it felt like I had something. This, I, okay, I agree with you there. Kind of fun. That's so fair. you don't need to know the story. Right. To now, know the story. if there was something that disappointed me about it, it's that oh, but it still had to have the conventional boy girl love story. Yeah. It still had to have now. I was appealing to I was because it was written by James Cameron's dumbass. <laughs> I was mostly okay yeah, point. with I love Christoph Waltz. I was mostly okay with the father daughter kind of thing that was going on. Uh, but that was even, a strong part for me actually. Yeah, but even that I feel like could have been handled a little bit differently and maybe allowed to develop a little more. Um, so, th- so I had some problems with kind of the beats it hit with the character yeah. relationships, mm-hmm. but in terms of the basic story, I thought it was fun. I thought it was, you know, interesting to have this really powerful female character at the center of it, I which like I think is what you're saying, you know, like what's, uh, your daughter would respond oh, to. A- I was thinking of mine too, mm-hmm. that, you know, I think it's, it's just a fun kind of fresh feeling experience for me to see a film like that. And knowing that a guy like Rodriguez was behind the camera on it. I was excited to see, well, what can he do now? Because he's always been, like Cameron, wh- like him or not, somebody who has been very interested in 
okay, what is state-of-the-art? Where can we go with the technology that we have available to us as filmmakers? How far can we push it? What can we do to create things? You know, with him, I'm thinking of the spy kid. We'll get into that yeah, in a second. Well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm going to not say a sentence right okay. now. I'm going to okay. hold on to this for the second right. half of so the maybe show. So maybe this yeah, is a beer. good point for us to talk about this beer, Meet Your Maker from Monkless, a Belgian-style beer. Would a, you recommend this film, and who would you recommend it to? Oh, me? Uh, let's go around. Me? Unequivocally, I would recommend it to anybody who is an action film fan and who's a fan of big budget kind of spectacle films, hands down. I would certainly recommend it to younger viewers, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So I'd say like tweens and above. Right. Younger girls especially. But even guys. No, maybe guys. But I'm I'm just saying it's so rare that you have such a dominant, powerful female protagonist like this. Yeah, we're starting to see it more. Especially in action spectacle movies like that. Right. So so that's kind of how... I would frame it. There is okay. when you scroll through Netflix and you're looking for for something to watch, but you really want to go way down that list that they create for you. Yeah, Which I do a lot. Past the, uh, we're recommending this to you because you watched Velvet Buzzsaw. You know, right? And you get into there's a there's a category they have called visually stunning films. Right. And my fiance loves those. Huh. She would like this. Okay. So I'll rent this when it comes out on DVD or whatever. But she's but she's also got like a limitation on violence. Would that would that get too No, 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 no. no this is this cartoons. Be, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, this is all cartoonish. Okay. So but, totally but again, agree. when I walked out there I said my 13-year-old daughter's going to love this and it's going to make a lot of money because that's exactly who would. Right. And Carlos, would you recommend this to anybody? Um if you want to go see a movie and don't want to think hard, but want to. You want to see pretty have, things. Have a even then have have a reasonably fun time, and you like action movies. Then yeah, go see this, but go see it in a theater. You're not going to get shit from it watching it at home. I agree. I think this is one that if if you are that action fan and you do love this, it's going to benefit you if you go and see it while it's on the big screen. And also, yeah. I mean, so we haven't done a 3D movie before now, have we? No, we, we, well, we, not that we've we've seen films that are available. Would have been available. In a 3D See, I, I avoid three D. Three D is a distraction, hundred percent of the time. I don't me. think to I don't me. think any of us have gone to see a movie for this podcast that we saw in 3D. Yeah. But you can see, I think, a lot of the Avengers Well, Avengers, in 3D, that was right? in 3D. Because even yeah. if a movie has a large gross in the theater, the majority of people are going to watch and find and, and love and buy and watch again this movie at home. And if you can't duplicate that 3D experience at home, and I know there are 3D Some televisions, yeah. then what is the point of you 3D really to begin though, with? You know? Yeah. yeah. No, you know. I mean, you can buy a 3D TV, but it's not right. the same. Okay, so we know how we feel about the film. How do we feel about the beer? Meet your maker... Uh, Belgian traditional minus the monks is what it says on the bottom. All right, there you um, go. yeah, it's pretty good. I can't, I can't right now. Maybe David, you could. We might quiz you if you say Belgian style dark ale. I couldn't rattle off the. Uh, I don't know what that is. The reasons why that is the style and the things to look for to judge that style. But I'll tell you this: as a darker beer and a beer, and certainly it's belched. <laughs> And certainly Belgian... That was in CGI. Folks, Belgian, right, by the right. way. <laughs> right. If you had your, your 3D glasses on right now. Belgian in uh, notes and style. Yeah. I'm enjoying this very much. Okay. I'm glad you brought this to the party. Well, thank That's you. Good. Yeah. So so Belgian, just to... Throw, like, usually when something is saying it's Belgian, obviously they're not making this in Belgium. These guys are in Oregon. Mm-hmm. They are using yeast strains that de- are derived from Belgian. Okay. Th- that... Uh, Tend to bring out fruitier kind of aromatic qualities out of like darker stone fruit, though, right? Well, in this case, so yeah. So when you're when you're doing it with kind of like a lighter malt bill, 
um, like with a Belgian white or with wheat in that case, then it's going to be a little bit lighter and fruitier. But yes, once you start bringing in those darker, darker, roastier malts, instead of going into like stout territory where you're going to get that like chocolatey kind of roasty thing, here you're going to get things that are more like you're saying, stone fruit, like plum and maybe cherry and... um, They claim uh, dark fruit, caramel, a bit of chocolate and coffee. Ra- yes. raisins and, and, dates I, and I get and I get a hint I get a hint of coffee in there but honestly tiny, I'm tiny getting a lot no more chocolate. like cherry mm-hmm. yeah. and and maybe a little plum yeah and this is a this is a beer that you pour yourself not maybe expecting something so rich but you could actually have a conversation with novices beer novices about hey what are all you flavoring what are all you tasting in this right. thing and it's yeah. all and I get the caramel too it's very very I get good. the caramel a little yeah. bit yeah. yeah I would agree I want to know more about this brewery, David. Thank you for bringing this. Well, I, I do too. I mean, this is the first one that I've ever had by them. I've certainly had some other American breweries that specialize in Belgian ales, mm-hmm. but this Name is the first one, one from Monkless. Allagash. Mm, yeah, okay. Allagash is the one that I grew up on. They're out of Maine, and so they, they were operating before I, I moved away. And so I've, and I go back there in the summer, and I, and yeah. I always experience that. Um, there, gosh, I'm blanking, but there are a couple other breweries that do it, but they're, they're actually kind of recognized in the American craft beer scene as the people who have actually done it and done it really well. You said it's the first time you've had this brewery. Uh, did you get this from an unnamed (laughs) beer distribution service? Distribution app. I did indeed. That we will not name until they give us money. That's right. Yeah. We got to start, uh, hounding them. Send you an email. We need to create a hashtag. There yeah. you go. Hashtag send us money, please. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let, let's take a break. As we've been hinting uh, all this episode, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little yeah. bit more about Rodriguez, his his filmography Jim. leading up to this. Mr. Cameron, we'll call him. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fucking Jim. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll find <laughs> out more about uh, Carlos's uh, beer experiment. We're back. We just talked about Alita Battle Angel. And as I stated at the beginning, at the top of this episode, I have uh, gotten, a little, gotten a little wacky with the beer selection uh, for the second half of this episode. So as I alluded to, there was some preparation needed for this particular offering. And 
let's break down what it was. So I, like I said, I took a 2018 bottle of Bourbon County uh, brand stout, which is a bourbon barrel aged stout from Goose Island out of Chicago. So I took that bottle and I grabbed myself a, uh, a French press coffee maker. And then I crushed up some Butterfinger. Mm. I put the Butterfinger in the French press and then I poured the beer into the French press and I let it sit for, and I, I did the little fun size one so it'd be easier to crush up instead of taking like, you know, full last How fingers. smart of you. Um, but I let it steep for between 10 to 15 minutes. And so now, hopefully, what we're going to have is we are going to have a peanut butter bourbon county chocolate. brand stout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, a peanut butter and chocolate bourbon county stout so pour that son of a bitch. i've done this once before <laughs> and i did it uh because i saw somebody in one of the beer groups that i'm a part of that david is also a part of but uh and he uh, did it with vanilla right well Wait. no no harold did do the vanilla bean which i also did shouts out to harold that's just a, um, that's just a full vanilla bean in yeah the, so in the i i with this exact same beer i opened a bottle of it i took a, a whole vanilla bean cut it down the middle to open it up, mm-hmm. dropped it in, recapped it, and then let I let that sit for about two and a half, three days, and I had a vanilla bourbon barrel-aged stout at the end of it. And uh, I mean, the vanilla really came through. Uh, if you're going to try to do that, I would let it sit for four or five. Okay. I don't think I let it sit quite long enough, but I have done this before with the Butterfinger. Um, I used slightly less Butterfinger last time and maybe let it steep for about a minute or two less than I did this time. You amended your recipe. I amended because we got the peanut butter coming through last time, but not as much as I think I would have liked. So we are going to see how um, this version of it comes out. And, I mean, you know, like I said, as long as you have a French press at your house, this is something you can do. Uh, with you can do it with this, you can do it with almond joy, you can do it with peanut butter cups, Reese's peanut butter cups, um, you know, really anything of the sort that you want to make your beer taste like. Um, and you know, the, hey, you got the peanut butter because I'm smelling the it. interesting thing about this and why it's uh, something that I like to do and something that I think is um, worth noting and worth talking about on this podcast is because we see a lot of these like pastry stouts that are coming out these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Ingenious, one of our favorites in Texas that is really on it, and a couple other people. And basically, what's happening when they do this is there's a secondary fermentation period or a conditioning period where they're just adding this, but in much larger quantities before they bottle it. So this is basically the exact same process that brewers do when they're creating these kinds of concoctions. Um, choose your own adventure, though, at home. It is. So we're just doing it on a much smaller scale, hey. which allows us to do it for less time and all that kind of thing. So That's right. We're not doing Bandersnatch this episode. So I have a keep your choose your own. question about this at the top of our analysis of it at the end of the movie. Okay, don't forget it. Or the end of our movie discussion, I guess, which we're about to have. Maybe going a little bit deeper into Robert Rodriguez's career and James Cameron as producer. Jim. Okay, so, Joe, I believe you left before the Q&A, correct? I did. Okay, so, I bolted. Yes. Let's let's just discuss that. You mean the Q&A at the end of Alita? Oh, at at the end of Alita. Right. I, I just want to talk about it, about it very briefly because one thing that I experienced while listening to Rodriguez talk about this whole process and his his relationship with Cameron and uh, all that kind of thing, it made me like the movie more. Mm. I think that I would have left 
much more sour than I did hmm. had I not heard him talk about it. And I think it's because Rodriguez believes in this project. Oh, yeah. And when you hear somebody talk about something that they love and care about, it kind of cre- it, it helps you appreciate it more rather than if you didn't see that and you just went and saw the movie on its own, like for me personally, I think if I saw the movie on its own, I didn't know who directed it. I didn't know who wrote it. I didn't know any of that stuff. I'm just an average moviegoer. I personally would feel, uh, okay, whatever. This was just a big budget action movie. They're trying to make some money and, you know, whatever, by casting these people, Jennifer Conley, Christoph Waltz, whatever. Um, the cameo that happens at the end that we didn't mention, um, they're trying to set up a franchise. Okay, whatever. I get it. I'm over it. I didn't like this. <laughs> but hearing Rodriguez talk about it did make me like it a little more, and I do appreciate the fact that he has been at the forefront of pushing technology and filmmaking in a way that he finds to be, you know, of merit and worthwhile. I don't necessarily at all times. Um, but yeah, I don't know what your experience with that Q and a was, how you felt about it. I did get very well, annoyed at him calling James Cameron Jim over and over again. <laughs> that's it's like, if, that's just if you're buddies. It's like when yeah. people talk about Scorsese and they say Marty or right? yeah. Sandy. <laughs> I, Sandra Bullock. I, I call her Sandy B all the time. He does. And, and love Sandy B. And that annoys Joe like nothing. <laughs> I really yeah. don't care. No. So, okay. So I like the film more than you did. I think, Anyway, so I, I don't think I think if I had watched it and not had the Q and A, I would have been fine with it. But I did enjoy the Q and A for very much the reason that you're describing. That it's so fun to see somebody that excited and sort of passionate about what he does. And you know that that isn't even just filmmaking. It's you know really anything. I mean, I, I would love to see Joe present on fencing and, and have that. But you know, he, he's told us. Um, but no, seriously, it was it was a lot of fun. He was, I mean, I think that's always been part of the charm of Robert Rodriguez as long as I've known him as a filmmaking presence is seeing a guy who truly, I think, first and foremost, is a fan of films mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. loves movies and has always been sort of stupefied by what people are able to accomplish. And to get to work on the level that he does now with all the technology that he has available to him and having somebody who he considers, I think, a mentor and a friend who's willing to, um, you know, put so much into this project with him. It was, it was really cool. It was, it was, it was kind of heartwarming. It was like, oh, wow, that's, you know, like, this is how somebody can really make it. Now, again, there's, for, for every Robert Rodriguez, there's 5,000, like, <laughs> people just like him who never do make it. But yeah. he did. And and it's and against some pretty steep odds. I mean, he did not start out with any sort of resources. Well, you have to rewind no. back to the very first film. I'm not talking. Be- I'm not talking Bedhead. I'm talking uh, El Mariachi. Right. Yeah. And I love El Mariachi. And if you go back in time to when it came out, I mean, he and Tarantino. And help me out. Who, who did four rooms? Uh, Tarantino. Well, no, well, but there were four people. directors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was uh, him, Tarantino, Allison Anders, and Alexander Rockwell. Okay, so the the, the latter two haven't had the critical. I'm, I'm sorry, the uh, commercial success that the first two did. Right. But back then he was a critical darling, and if you consider my age at the time, and Pulp Fiction had just come out, and I think that they met at Con or Sundance, uh, Sundance or yeah. right, and became you know buddies. Right. As as newbie film makers that are making a difference. I loved El Mariachi. I've introduced 
I mean, ten, ten people. You haven't seen this movie? Sit down. We're watching it right now. I mean, yeah. What did he make it for? Like eight grand or something? And stupid that's the like story that, of Robert you know? Rodriguez. He 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 gave his body to medical science to get cash to to help make a film. Right. He he was he, he was participating in drug trials, right? right. He, was it? Yeah. yeah. He pulled his resources, and his resources were a wheelchair. And his now, the wheelchair so, will be my dolly cam. J- just to, because a lot of people get hung up about this, like the claim is it was made for seven thousand two hundred something dollars and change right i think he presented it to paramount which i believe it was at least the original version correct but they did once it was bought it was columbia they remastered um, they bought it they used about two hundred thousand dollars to sort of work it through transfer the print to film remix Mm -hmm. the sound all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. now again Something good had to be there for the seven thousand oh, sure. dollar version for it to get oh, purchased. Sure. So I I give him he, all the credit in the world for having pulled something pretty amazing off. But you know I think that there are those people who well it was really a two hundred. I don't give a shit about any of that. It's all detailed <laughs> in his book uh, Rebel Without a Crew. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if you are an aspiring filmmaker, you read that book. And I have gifted, it, I have gifted that book to a dozen people. Yeah. It, it is a fantastic book. And then of course he gets a chance to make his first Hollywood film. And it's going to be a remake, remake slash sequel slash almost prequel, uh, Desperado. Great movie. Starring Antonio Banderas in his box office prime at the beginning. You know, yeah. that, that catapulted Well, it, it, I was going to say, he was already a star in Spain yeah. and in the Spanish market. Yeah. But... He had but not broken through in the U.S. I think US. Salma Hayek was introduced to us in that yeah. film. She was, yeah. yeah. And there's a sex scene in that film. Were you okay? Anyway, <laughs> so El Mariachi, Desperado, the story of how it all happened, the guerrilla style filmmaking, make your film at all cost, mm-hmm. to, to pool your resources and make that film that you're passionate about. And then he got money, and then he had kids, and then he started making children's films, and it all fell apart for me. Disagreed. All of it. Now I know because now we're different ages, and you were the children. I was. You were the child that were was watching that films. So I'll tell you this: that my kids were also that. I took my son to well, go you, see. Well, you skip you skip a little there, right? From dusk till dawn. No, oh, that was you're right. You're right. You're from right. Dusk till dawn's great. I think you're that, absolutely right. The Tarantino and uh, Rodriguez get to work it, together. He also did the Faculty, which, which I think horrible. Oh, he directed that. Yeah, yeah. he did yeah. in Austin. A and classic. That's, and that's the other thing that you have to love about Robert Rodriguez as a Texan, and that is that he brought his filmmaking. Well, to that's Austin. absolutely. I and think we know I, someone that worked on Alita. We do, and I so. W- w- what I, I, I love him for, for a lot of the reasons that Joe's pointing out. Like, it's he was in that 90s American indie cinema. He deserves every moment, bit of accolade. Alongside Quentin Tarantino, alongside, you know, few others. Um, he, he was that kind of that voice that, hey, if you have an idea, if you want to tell stories, if you love filmmaking, you can make Nothing this happen. Nothing is stopping you anymore. And, yeah. And Steven he, Soderbergh used a fucking iPhone. <laughs> that's right. Um, but then you see, instead of, you know, becoming part of the Hollywood apparatus, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, many people maybe flirted with. Well, and that's tried the to apparatus. Do, I mean, of course you're going to become He kind of built his own thing. He yeah. has Troublemaker Studios. On top of the game. There you go. Wow. This is. <laughs> you have to go back to the last <laughs> for, episode. For a, film, <laughs> for a film that Carlos didn't like, he's actually calling back to it a lot here. Um, but, but he built his own sort of movie making empire yeah. in Austin, Texas that has allowed him to make all these really 
I mean, love him or hate him, because mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Now, I was a little too old, I think, to really love Spy Kids for, for yeah. all that it could be. Yeah. But I could appreciate it yes. as a really fun, exciting, visually adventurous kind of... Uh, and if you're following the career, Spy Kids film. is Bedhead. I mean, Spy Kids is... Is is the very first thing he ever did. Bedhead's a short. You can see it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. If you never have, you probably should, just to call yourself fully indoctrinated in a modern filmmaker's work. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's 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 you know that's the whole story of Spy Kids is the story he was telling his kids at bedtime, yeah. and then let me let's make those into movies, and and that's that's so exciting. So when you take your kids and you're this Rod Robert Rodriguez freak and you take your kids to this <laughs> they enjoy it and i don't so much because yeah. it's just silly so let's so let's let carlos talk here yeah 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 you're you're how old were you when spy kids came out okay before i answer that question the first thing you I, will answer it i will and i have no problem doing that but the first thing that i will say is that because of his tenacity and the sheer will that sparked his career he can do no wrong in my eyes oh he he oh, gets a forever bold. He, he gets a forever pass oh. Because <laughs> wait, that's a sound reserved for James Cameron. Because, oh, good point. Good because point. He, well, he worked with the guy. He's done something that almost nobody's ever done before. Like oh, certainly. You know, yeah. Coming like making an eight thousand dollar film. Oh, it costs two hundred thousand. Whatever. Uh, okay. uh, and then enjoy. The and movie. then not only doing that, but not assimilating into Hollywood and doing his own fucking mm-hmm. thing and doing. I mean, he's basically done whatever the fuck he wants since then, mm-hmm. which is. Well, some, only because he, he did have some financial success that allowed him to have that attitude. Well, that's what I'm saying. Right. But, I mean, Soderbergh had financial success. Mm-hmm. He did fucking Oceans. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, the, people, most people don't do that. Most people still, I mean, Kevin Smith t- talks a lot about where he was when he made Zack and Mary make a porno. Mm-hmm. And he, himself, one of the darlings of indie cinema. Right. And yeah, yeah that's that's of the whatever. same time period. But he, yeah. yeah, same time period. And he fell into yeah. the Hollywood machine. He fell into making things that he thought other people wanted to see. That's why we had Jersey Girl and all these, you know, all this nonsense. And even when he made Zack and Mary, he said, he said in interviews since then, I was trying to make a Judd Apatow movie. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to do. And right. it didn't work because right. I'm not Judd Apatow. Right. And for Rodriguez to be as independent and as self-reliant and as forging his, you know, forging his own path the way he did, yeah. free pass. Now, that being said, when... I mean, free pass by, from what? From... Criticism of flops of bad movies. He's done enough that we can like. You're willing to you you, you will don't I'll overlook wait, wait, wait. it. I'll, 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 I'll he'll overlook, overlook it. He'll overlook I'll, it. He's I'll overlook not saying it he loves say, every film. I don't love every film, but I'll overlook any flaws in his resume. Hold me back, Dave. I'm gonna kick some any, ass. Any flaws in his resume? Because <laughs> I think that even those flaws will not tarnish his legacy as know, a filmmaker. But, okay, well, you're of you're of the age group then, though, that would so, have enjoyed that earlier stuff. Well, but I so, was of the age group that was enjoying in my college and and grad school years the original films, right? So the next spate of films that you're going to make aren't for me. That's where I had a problem. Got to suck it up, man. But they were for you. No, you don't sit there and enjoy Lava Girl and Shark, Shark Boy. Boy and Lava Girl. When what you're expecting is Desperado 2 or but, whatever the next evolution of your career is. But seeing the previews, you would have known Spy Kids right, and Sharp right. and Lava Girl for you. But like you would have not even fucked with it at all. Anyway, so to answer your original question that go we started ahead. with this, when yes. Spy Kids came out, I was nine. Mm-hmm. There you and go. And it was... Wheelhouse, man. Wheelhouse. Spy Kids was fun. Of course. It was fine. Of course. I, I saw it. I liked it. You know, whatever. The Lots sec- of cool gadgets. The second one was fine too. Now the third one, Spy Kids 3D. 
that movie's badass. Like, oh, it's good. You love. Is it. that the one yeah. with Stallone? I look. I don't remember a lot about I, the I, film I, itself, I but I remember. And this is this goes back to what we talked about in the first half of this episode. Is that Spy Kids yeah. 3D doubles the fuck down on the 3D? Sure, and it is in and your Ro- and face. Rodriguez 3D. would be the guy to do that. If yeah. we're gonna do a 3D movie, let's do a 3D movie. Yeah, and it movie. is awesome so what, like what? i remember seeing that in the theater and being like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen like yeah. this is so fun but 3d is in so, the title alita the 3d is it's not in the title th- yes but throwaway. so don't do it it's yeah throwaway. get it the fuck out of it yeah. that that's what i'm saying and that's what i said in the first half if of the you're episode. gonna do friday the 13th 3d yeah there better be an eyeball that coming movie out. fucks too uh, yeah. so i is fucks good yeah fucks is uh, good. okay <laughs> Uh, there's, there's a really. We, we definitely need the explicit on this episode. That's the title there's, of the episode. Yeah. There's oh, a, there's a, <laughs> this episode F asterisk asterisk yeah, asterisk. Yeah. As, uh, yeah. There's a really good Twitter account. This band fucks. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and okay. people tweet at it. Does this band fuck? And they'll answer <laughs> yeah, question. This band. Um, but uh, yeah, Spike it's 3D. Double down on the 3D. It's not useless. It's not just, oh, it's going to give you death. It it does a thing, and it's very stylized, and it's the way that 3D should be done. If you're not going to do that, if you're not going to take it Hmm. to its fullest extent, to its logical end point of 3D-ness, then don't do it. I don't need that. Can you think of any notable filmmaker that said, I'm going to build my career on El Mariachi and Desperado? I mean, like... I'm going to invent. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez. I'm going to invent. Hold on. Often, I'm, I'm going to. In- <laughs> the only guy. <laughs> I'm going to invent new ways to spray blood up away from the camera into the person shooting the person's face. I'm going to invent stuff like that. Yeah. And then when I get money, I'm going to start making children's movies. Well, he made Desperado first, and then he did Death Till Dawn. I'm going to make money, and then I'm going to start making. But then he. But, he, but do you but know what Spy Kids did? On. It made money. Well, yeah, it made a. It yeah, made I don't money. know. Those, I'm gonna make money were... making these types of ultraviolent films, and then I'm going to turn it around and because not I make don't think those. he's not only about violence. I mean, I think he's about. He, film. And I'm not talking about pigeonholing. I'm not talking about uh, he's automatic he's, repeating of everything you've ever done. Yeah. But then he went. Go ahead. No, he's he's a filmmaker that is about film. That is about the about full film. The about full cinema? no, but is about the full spectrum of what a movie can do and be, and. The full spectrum. Case in point, the Thumpkins. I mean, what the hell? The full spectrum is not just like I'm going to make serious films that are going to be highly regarded by critics and that are going to be hailed as whatever. The full spectrum of film is yes, you have the artier film, you have the innovation, you have the pushing forward, you have the you know inventive storytelling, but you also just have entertainment for all people. So I'm going to create a CGI career where I can uh, make a film like Spy Kids. Those films were largely largely CGI. And then the end result will be, fast forward to 2018, 2019, Alita. Well, okay, let's let's not... Let's not uh, gloss over everything. Okay, so I, I hope we I he, hope, we, I hope he, we get to the he, midpoint. He yeah. fulfilled the Mariachi trilogy with Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yes, which yes. was ultra violent and and good and good. And I think back to his fans, Planet Terror, I mean, back, back to the fans that got right, him the, to court, the, the, the grind, the Grindhouse project. The Grindhouse I, want, project. I do want to Sin talk City. about that. Sin City is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Sin City is Sin City is a great graphic novel, and Robert Rodriguez did a decent job putting it. No, I thought Sin City is one of the most faithful adaptations of a graphic novel I do that think, has ever been. Seen. I'm not going to argue with you. I think I think from the standpoint that it visually conveyed the look of a graphic novel mm-hmm. in a way that I've never seen another film do. I think it was a huge success. No one did it before, and no one's done it since. I yeah, I think it is a singular film. 
It is. I agree. And and I think But it's not an exceptional film. I disagree. Mm-hmm. Now, I I think I it's an, right, I think it's wrong. an exceptional film. I think it's not an exceptional narrative. That that's the distinction I would make. Like yeah. I think the film visually and and what it accomplishes there in terms of bringing the look okay. and feel of the, a graphic novel to the screen. Then it's halfway I think, complete. I think really interesting. I'd say I, it's 75%. Well, no, but I I give I put okay. I put the criticism a, on Frank Miller. I think which it should I'm be just, it's like an all right looking ass nowadays. I'm yeah, I'm just not that interested in the stories that Sin City wants to tell. I am interested in how it's being the conveyed and the visual representation. So that th- that to me is kind of a well. Mixed I like bag. that we're arguing about his work. I mean, that, you know, it's it speaks to artistic well, integrity. And, and you know, we've there. already we talked about Grindhouse uh, briefly. We didn't. Talk about well, right we've now. brought it up. Yeah, brought I, it mean, up. I mean, Tarantino and Rod, Rod, Rodriguez come together for for what their could love, be their love letter to exploitation films, certainly, and and a, a double feature and all the old uh, graphics, and we're gonna we're gonna recreate an experience, and, and that was so much fun. Of those two part of the partnership, Rodriguez delivers a better. F- more fun, Ooh. more entertaining, no more now entertaining that I, film. That I disagree. I think Death Proof is is maybe Quentin Tarantino's best film other than Jackie Brown. But that's that's me. Bold statement. I, I just want to point out that David Gurney on this podcast said that Quentin Tarantino's two least thought of films are his best. That is a yeah. that is a spicy take. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like that's, Jackie Brown is that's, forgotten. That's, Jackie Brown no, is hold on, wonderful. Hold on. Jackie, two, we're, saying, we're saying two different words. Oh. Jackie, Jackie Brown is a forgotten. Okay, no, I, no, I, no, I, I, I disagree. I, f- I, I disagree. fully, I fully agree with you that they are. How do you the undervalued Pulp films? How, how do you do it? I think they're the undervalued films. The film this? after Pulp Fiction is going to suck. Maybe I'm talking about critical perception. Yeah, you can't do better than this. Don't even try. He did no. Inglorious Bastards. There you go. Best film. Okay, so yeah. uh, it is his best film. You guys can. It's fine. We're no, gonna sit I'll over fight. here and okay. grumble. Do you want to know why Robert Rodriguez gets a lifetime pass? We already know. Because no, but another reason. Here's why? my second reason. Go ahead. There's three reasons, mm-hmm. right? The first is. Machete. Uh, I have a second. Reason. Yes. The okay. Second, so, but no, which hold on, comes hold on. out of Grindhouse. Hold on. Which the, comes out of Grindhouse. It does. The second is Machete kills, and then the third is really what solidifies him as one of the most outrageous and singular filmmakers. Is Machete kills in space. That's has, a film. It has been announced that oh, Machete wow. will kill in space. And oh, let me tell you, as I love. Anything in space, Leprechaun in space, fantastic. Jason X in space, fantastic. I love I, I when wanna, you take a like. Wow, just, this sounds I, when like you take this, a thing that doesn't need to be in space and on. you put it in space. This sounds like a theme episode hold right on, there. We got, we got to do the in space. The in space How about episode. Muppets in space? I, 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 I want to clue the audience. <laughs> first of all, we, first of all, we're all drunk. <laughs> secondly, <laughs> debatable. Secondly, uh, during the break between the first part of this episode and the second, Carlos mentioned that he and I don't agree on much. That we don't agree on great films. That yeah, you've you've taken Ethan's place in that regard in the last couple. Carlos, I want to look you in the eye. I want to tell you something. Jason X is one of the best movies ever made. It's amazing. Oh. I'm so glad you said that because Jason I X fucking love. That We're gonna movie. go down a rabbit hole. Thirty second rabbit hole here. Jason X is hilarious. Fan, uh, yeah, it's incredible. It's so it, funny. If the mood was right in the room and you turned on Jason X, you would have nothing but a great time. No, if, I mean, that Jay, is a classic Silent Bob, midnight movie. Uh, uh, Jay and Silent Bob show up in the film, but it's not them. Yeah. Like, it's just beautiful. 
Huh. When her nipples fall I, off, I the feel, robotic nipples. <laughs> it's, it's, it's See, I feel terrible. I don't think I've ever seen this. Oh, yeah, oh, oh I, David. First of all, Friday the Thirteenth is mind the best right. slasher film franchise ever. Now I've seen several of the. You got to see them all. Friday the Thirteenth is the best. Slasher, slasher film, film franchise, franchise ever. ever. What, what's it competing with? Well, Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Halloween. Halloween. The, I mean, those are the big three. Yeah, How, and, uh, and it's original carnations before remakes and whatever. Halloween is the best. No, well, no, 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 no. Halloween is the best film of any of the three franchises. <laughs> just the first one. Halloween's the best horror movie ever made. The original, arguably, guys. But, guys. but and and and, and Night as, of the Living Dead. But as a franchise, when you look at the entire body of film. Uh, films that were made. Friday the Thirteenth is the best. Friday the Thirteenth is the best slash. Let's franchise. revisit this next episode. Do, I was going to say, do let's you realize re- no, no, how far off the rails? No, we let's <laughs> revisit this purposefully next episode. We, okay, okay. Right. okay. We'll okay. revisit it on a theme. Okay, so, so children's movie, children's movie, and then here comes Grindhouse because he and Tarantino are going to do something special. Yeah, and then here comes Machete. <laughs> and, and I believe City, that Grindhouse. I believe that Robert Rodriguez produced the better Grindhouse film of the of the double feature. David, you disagree? We disagree. I think okay. his is fine, but I but I do like Death Proof a lot more. Planet Terror. Right with the yes. yeah. with the, the zombie the, yeah, with the leg, zombie, right? The leg, Rose McGowan. Leg. Yeah. Right. Love okay. that. You said there were three things that put uh, Robert Arena. Yeah, yeah. Machete, said, Machete kills, and Machete and kills now in space. That there's going to be in space. <laughs> I'm going to give you another one. That's his role in the Me Too movement. I admire Robert Rodriguez. I'm unaware of this. He's anti Hollywood. He and Rose McGowan had a, a relationship. Okay, so he's back up, and and he's he's been aware of some things that have happened in that industry that he was not happy with. And I think he's told Harvey Weinstein. There's there's, there's documentation that he and Harvey Weinstein got into some serious shit. And I admire I him that. for that because you don't go against Harvey Weinstein if you think about the the, statu- the stage... Stature. Thank you. And the timing that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, back early, in the mid-90s. Early Miramax, Miramax days and the it. power of him in the yeah. world that they lived yeah. in. Yeah, for sure. And I'm such a fan of the world that they lived in. That Miramax, early Miramax, Pulp Fiction comes out. Yeah. Who were the players in that game? If you consider my age, I'm older than both of you guys, that was... Right, a fantastic Brandon. time in in independence. Oh, and cinema. it was definitely that yeah. Robert Rodriguez was a player. That and was I my. Him. That I was, was so disappointed point. with his kid detour. Yeah, that so disappointed. I don't know. Even though they weren't for me, they didn't disappoint me. I I thought those weren't. That's how it wasn't cinema, David. That wasn't. Those weren't films. You no, were it was a movies. Fan of. No, but the, it wasn't cinema. It was movies. But he. But again, like I think that's where. And the, the, going back to the Q and A that we were talking about, it's so apparent that he just loves movies. Yeah, he I agree. loves going to the movies. He loves fi- and that's he loves where the I think, entertainment. And that's where I think Alita I in some ways I think is almost like There's nothing Rodriguez about Alita. It is a nexus point where it's like he, I agree with that. He too. loves making movies that appeal to a broad audience. He wants to bring in kids and family. He wants to, oh, he, he wants to see he I think he to, wants a financial success. He wants to well, make no, as many people Entertaining. He wants to entertain. But I don't think. But I. But I don't think it's the money. And I. I mean, I'm sure money factors into it. I'm not going to. He needs to fund Machete in space. What are you talking about? Yes. No. I mean, we are in late capitalism. But I. Late stage. But he. But he genuinely loves being a storyteller that can connect with. Because I think he remembers being a kid and going to see those movies that blew his mind, and he wants to make movies that blow kids minds now you know what i mean i i really feel like well that's i guess what there's going a place for that i mean if kids movies are typically going to be banal and you got one filmmaker yeah there's there nothing banal about spy making kids. fantastic films then uh you can be the filmmaker that wants to blow kids minds but that wouldn't be the station i'd want if i was rodriguez in 1990 
Well, I I understand where you're coming from. At the same time, I appreciate that he goes his own way. I think we've kind of... Oh, hold on, on. Hold on. No, no, okay. no, no. We want to what, talk about uh, Cameron oh, as the producer Cam- and Avatar. And that's the last time that someone said, I don't care what your opinions about 3D are, but you better watch Avatar in 3D because he has made a 3D film. Yes. Uh, I think that the only time that 3D has been in a film that wasn't exaggerated like stuff jumping out of the screen at you, that was fun. Or not fun. It wasn't fun. But that was impactful or important or interesting in any way was Avatar. Because I will say that as utterly trash and useless and garbage a film as Avatar is, it is actually one of the worst films in the last 25 years, that seeing it was an experience. I will say that because I saw it in the theater twice. Because it was such a huge thing at the time. This was 2009, right? Yeah. And so I was a junior in high school, I think. Uh Maybe a senior by... No. Maybe a senior by that time. And everyone wanted to go see it. So I ended up seeing it twice in theaters. And I, the first time, I remember being kind of dazzled by the Mm -hmm. 3D world that had been created. And Mm -hmm. it was really a spectacle to behold. It was a technological marvel. In it, the was. It, really it was. It was. I mean, it, it really was. Yeah. And I'll give James Cameron credit where credit's due. Sure. He's a bad filmmaker. He's a bad writer. Oh, but oh. he is able to push technology forward as far as filmmaking okay. goes in a way that nobody else can. And I will give him credit for that. But the second time you watch Avatar... It's shit. And the 3D, <sighs> you know... The rose-colored glasses of the 3D-ness of it all go away. Right. You look at it, and you're like, wait, actually, this is not interesting or compelling or entertaining, and it's just a... Entertaining, yes. A hodgepodge Good, of no. things I've seen before. Yeah. And I can... I And not just a... So, you know... David, it's probably responsible for teaching me a large part of what I'm going to say, so I'll give I'll give him credit for that. But we live in a remix culture at this point. Like so much has happened, and so many people have created so many things that at this point, everyone's just taking an influence from other places and remixing it into what is their own thing and what what might work today. You know, and what they're bringing their own perspective to it, but they're not doing something that hasn't been done before. Mm-hmm. And usually, when that happens, when it's done well the influencers are seamless. The things that it came from are seamless and you can't necessarily be like, this is from that, that's from that. And in Avatar, you can say, this is from that, that's from that, this, you know, whatever. And it's it's awful. It's awful to watch after that once you realize what a bad movie it is. David, I know you want to respond to James Cameron is not a good filmmaker, but before we do, let's just... he's a bad writer. I'm I'm going to... <laughs> I want you to cage the I want you to cage that fury, right? And then I'm gonna open the door. But before we do that, Avatar is one of those experiences, and I can probably rattle off a dozen if you give me just a few seconds, of the world is amazed and loves and is falling under the spell of it. And I'm just sitting out in the back going, I what? Why? What is good about, about watching? This. So that said. Is there enough Avatar love in the bank? Because that movie came out many years ago. Ten years. For to make three, these new For Avatar. three sequels? Are we... Are, are, I think he's are waited they, too long. Are they... Not me. Are they so eager to see where Avatar goes? I think that he's waited too long. And I think that when the second one comes out, it won't... 
do what they expected to do. Does he stumble? I mean, he doesn't. He makes his films make so much money now. Does he, he hasn't s- yet really. Yeah. So but, is but financially, could, are we yeah. wrong and he's right that the world's waiting for Avatar? According to Robert Rodriguez, we probably are wrong and he's probably right because he's right all the time. According to Rodriguez, and he's always ahead of everything, and he's always. I think what you know, I anyway. think. Okay, but, so, I, so I said that he's a bad filmmaker and right. a bad writer, and because you I feel like up. because we've even talked about this off mic, I feel like you're disregarding regarding the whole prehistory of I mean pre-Titanic James Cameron Terminator and Terminator 2 are excellent yes. films. Yes. Those, those are, are yeah. and those are fully James Cameron films. Yes. Terminator okay? 2 Aliens is, is a great the film. Best. Aliens is okay. Aliens Aliens is the only place they could have taken Alien. Aliens was right. perfect okay. as a sequel. Sure. No, no, no I'm, I'm not arguing But you. there we go. Okay, Aliens so I, just, I disagree with that. I was just named perfect as a sequel. I, so much so that Aliens 3, Aliens Resurrection, they've all been shit. Aliens could only be okay. the sequel to Aliens. So Alien. that's what I'm saying. Fantastic. That's movie. what I'm saying. Game over, man. It's important to recognize that he didn't just come out of nowhere and make Avatar. Oh, we're talking about two filmmakers doing the same thing. They used limited resources to make great films, and then they went completely off the rails. I no, think, I don't because no, Terminator Two was a filmmaker. No, I'm talking who about suddenly post, had, yeah, post that. Uh, I think had, I think he had a good idea. Resources, and he could have done anything you're probably right. at that point. Was, no, and you're he right. Made an incredible action film. Pull up his, his with, filmography. No, you where, you what, what you follows us. You what follows Terminator Two immediately? Abyss. I True uh, Lies. I mean, you're correct about Terminator and Terminator 2. I will not knock him, and as I've already stated, give credit where credit's due. True I will, Lies was right after. I will give Abyss? James Cameron credit where it's due. Terminator and, hold on. Terminator and Terminator 2 are good movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are good movies. Mm-hmm. That's where his good movies end. Mm-hmm. I don't, so, True Lies is awesome. He's only made no. so many films. True Lies are true. Now, of course, it's stupid. So, you like stupid movies. You like the lead-up. I think we're but now we're it all, takes itself seriously. I think, I you like Velvet Buzzsaw, you stupid movie. Where you go, <laughs> where you go with Cameron, right? So Cameron really has not been a prolific. He filmmaker. directed the Abyss, you he, bitch. He did. Yes. Yeah, he you wrote it. Oh, you're right. You're yeah, right, the whole thing right. about Abyss Sorry, is that, that the was, studio. He wrote that it, was he directed but that was before T two. That was before. And then he gave yeah, his directorial like the. This is what I was trying to do, and that's garbage. I mean, it, it, that doesn't add anything to that. Story. Okay, fine. It, do okay. you know is another, visually interesting? I'll do you want to know that. another reason that he's on my fucking shit list? Is because he's full of shit, and he said that that new Terminator Genesis movie was good. He gave it his fucking cosign, so that means that his word isn't worth a goddamn thing. Because that movie was a piece of shit. He made money off of that movie too. Yeah, Terminator Salvation. No, Terminator Genesis, the oh. one where they go back in time and then they you go see into young the future Arnold? time and then they yeah, blah, 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 no fuck good. you. Yeah, no good. Well, well I didn't say fuck so, you. So, okay. But, but what I'm going to... I was more calm. But I guess it. where I want to go is I'm not willing to throw the man in the trash bin. No, no, I am. Titanic, I'm throwing in the trash bin. Oh. Avatar, I'm throwing him in the trash Okay, hold bin. on. Now we're at the height of our powers and we're no. creating billion, billion, billion dollar... In the case of Avatar franchises, and you're not putting out quality quality. Let's at take all. let's take one second to really the, in detail analyze his filmography. His first feature film is Piranha Two: The Spawning, which sounds amazing, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen it. I have. Seen I it. love the idea of I, that. I'm okay, and then Terminator. 
Great movie. Yes. Then Aliens. Terminator, guys, Terminator changed everything. It did. Yeah. I agree that Terminator was one of the biggest things that ever happened of course. in American cinema. What can we do? Aliens, with- mm-hmm. you guys like, I think was underwhelming. And then you have The Abyss, have which is garbage. It's, Abyss is good. The Abyss, Abyss is not garbage. The Abyss is not a good story. It takes it's an inter- a, a it, bunch of technology at the time it's an interesting and tries to make it a spectacle it's an inter- that does it's not an age well. It's an interesting sidestep in a career. It's an... He, he, had, he had the power, the money to do okay. anything he wanted to do, and this is what he did, it and we an, don't quite go... It is an uh, interesting sidestep, but it is a sidestep, and okay. it's not great, and I don't go ever ahead. want to see it again. Continue. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Good movie. Amazing. True, great movie. Uh, huh. True Lies. Good movie when I was 12. Nah. Bad movie when I'm 26. Okay, and then and then we're right into the fucking shit, and it's Titanic. And then we get Titanic. Then we get Avatar. Now we get Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5. Fuck that. His he's shooting them. He did he's shooting them concurrently, two, right? We're, we're shooting them all at the same time. These things Avatar are a lot. Avatar two and three are in post production. Avatar four and five are in pre production. And a movie called The Informationist was announced. I don't know what that is. Are we doing all the same characters? Is it the same lead? In I don't Avatar? know. I don't know. And honestly, I don't give a shit. You'll go yeah. see it when it comes out. I won't. Yeah, you will. I won't. You'll see unless it we do it for this podcast. You'll I see will it. not. Oh, we're going to. Cool. All right. Well, so listen. I mean, and and I don't think none of us here seem he to made be two good Titanic apologists. I'm I'm pretty much on the same page as you with Avatar, but I never even watched it a second time. Mm-hmm. I was happy enough, like seeing it that one time. I was like, oh, that was really visually appealing. But I could tell the story wasn't all that exciting, and I wasn't very. Put the animal's in tail and your hair and your butt is just dumb. Yeah. So yeah, but but but. But I do. Avatar wishes it had come up with the troll sex scene from Border. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It does. Um, but but to me, I look back at the Terminator films. Oh yeah. And and just those though. Certainly, Aliens. Uh, I know we differ on that. And and to some extent, I do like The Abyss. But you know, like these are, I think, quality films that were made that appealed to huge audiences that really were kind of noble efforts to bring across like what can film do at a given moment which brings us back to where you know i see like it is interesting to see these two kindred spirits rodriguez and cameron come together on a project where the two of them are clearly guys who are fascinated with movie making technology and what's able to happen and so it's fun to see them play around with that stuff my problem is cameron hides behind the technology the technology masks his inability it, to it, really write a good screenplay, create, it, uh, create a good story, could, develop even a moderately, like even a half fully fleshed out female character. Yeah. I mean, the special effects hide his uh, actual ineptness as a writer and a filmmaker. No. In my opinion, I don't. I don't. I don't said, totally disagree with you. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I, I think he is capable. I think that he's gotten so enamored with the technology that maybe it has distracted him from the need to tell really interesting novel stories. So I, you I can have go with these you there. filmmakers that take two different things and they, they they try to throw them together. Are they supposed to go together? Uh, is it something that we want to see together? Almost like taking a Butterfinger bar, yes. which is which is completely perfect in its own. You know, and a bourbon county stout, which in its own, which is a delicious beer. Delicious beer. What do we? What think? does the rogue director who has all of these tools and decides to throw them together? What does they? What do they? What do they come up with? What did I come up with? 
I think that's a segue, ladies and gentlemen. I think that That is is, that is a professional. I think he comes comes out with something rather delicious and innovative. I have have one complaint, and that is we should have held back one tiny sippy of the bourbon without (laughs) the peanut butter. I I agree with that, and I was thinking about that as I was sipping it. As we should have had side by side. Oh, that's that's not a bad point, but but we didn't do that. There's nothing, but but there's nothing bad about what we just did. That not said, Carlos, how did you think it came out? You're the one that had this stellar idea. Uh, I thought it. I thought it. It, it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I would do different next time. Okay, so the first time, as I mentioned, I used less Butterfinger for a less amount of time, and this time I used more Butterfinger for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Now the difference between the two attempts that I made was the first time that I did it. I was in my kitchen and I had a full. I had full access to you know kitchen utensils and things and chop? tools you, uh... and the butterfinger was more finely okay. chopped and like broken up whereas yeah. this one there were much bigger chunks, chunks because i was trying to break it up by hand because yeah. we're at the store and i don't have you know cutlery here right um but it, it did come out good and i think that i think that this is i think this is a fun thing to do it's an interesting with concept. A stout. i'm glad you did it i'm in a lot of beer facebook groups and i'm seeing more and more people do this and and, and i my initial it's fun. my my initial reaction was that I didn't like it because it's almost like taking a movie and then adding a scene in <laughs> and then trying to judge the movie. I don't yeah. Well, no, the, the the director created the film and uh, here right, it is. Right. The, the brewmaster, the brewer made this beer and this is what he wanted to present to you. So so who are we to play God? Who are well, we to add ingredients? Was I would, my first reaction yeah. when I saw this trend. I would never recommend doing this to a beer that you've never tried before. Of course. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. I think I think this is something that you do if you to have, play around. If you yeah. have four bottles of Bourbon County 2000. 2018 in your cellar mm-hmm. or in your fridge and you maybe you crack two of them you want to play and you want to play with one of them and then age another one so what are the Perfect. recipes that we know about you just cracked up a butterfinger use your own discretion on amount uh yeah i mean i used for this iteration i used four of the fun-sized bars for one uh one pint nine ounce i think bottle of bourbon county stout um you could try doing it with Reese's. If you were going to do it with a softer uh, candy like that, I would recommend refrigerating or freezing the Reese's beforehand. Um, I mean, Almond Joy, Mounds, I mean, whatever you want to do it with. But, you know, obviously you're not going to use like Sour Patch Kids or something. You're going to use something that's chocolatey and, you know, probably peanut buttery, maybe marshmallowy yeah. uh, to do it with. Maybe a Milky Way Midnight. Those yes or no, do, do we want to talk about the philosophical uh, notion of, 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 of addition, uh, of, of, un, of the artist not approving of potentially additions to their thing? Well, you know, as... Enjoy uh, it as you like it? You know, as somebody who is, um, I'm, you know, I do this podcast or whatever, but I'm also a uh, hip-hop beat maker okay i make hip-hop music Mm -hmm. uh instrumental hip-hop music and i do it i sample a lot of the time so i think if you put something out into the world uh at when you put it out you kind of lose authority over it and then the public is either going to interpret it or consume it or modify it in ways that they find interesting to them you know we may not be this radical with actually infusing something into something but i mean think about the difference between having a bourbon county stout just drinking it out of a glass 
pure and plain versus having that alongside maybe some cheese, some crackers versus having that, um, uh, you know, with, I mean, I think altering your palate. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that anytime you're introducing other flavors into the mix, whether it be directly into the beer or alongside the beer, you're kind of, you're creating a new experience with it. So I, I think, yeah. Is this a slightly more radical version of that? Sure. Definitely. But, um, but I, but I don't think it's all that foreign g- g- compared to what. No, you know, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the experience. I think that if I were at home alone, and I can't tell you why, I, I probably wouldn't do this to a beer. Right. I get it. It's. I mean. But you know, tonight, I think I'm going to pour a Miller Lite over a bag of hot Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> see, what, see what happens. See what happens. Oh man, we got. I mean, we I mean, literally every other food is being combined with hot cheetos right now there's hot cheeto pizza Mm -hmm. there's hot cheeto everything like i've seen i've seen pizzas with just full ass hot cheetos on top of it not even crumbled up as breading or anything just just pour a bag out on a pizza and fucking eat it you know we are way away from beer in a movie we are but i'm saying do what makes you happy as long as it doesn't harm other people that's right. right And as long as it doesn't have too much one thing that capture. makes me happy is <laughs> one thing that makes me happy is looking at beer in a movie all over social media. <laughs> That's right. And how can our Joe how is can king our fans of the segways today? He is. He's, uh, he's locked. If locked you in. if you are offended, I'm drunk and ready to go home. <laughs> if you are offended by what I've done to this that beer, was a joke. Uh, or you have differing opinions about fucking Jim Cameron or, or you have a recipe else. for or, beer. or you have a recipe for an infused beer that you've made uh, with great That's success right. you can find us on Twitter at beer movie show you can find us on Instagram at beer in a movie uh, a lot of fun stuff happens on the Instagram while we're drinking maybe beer events that Carlos is brewing uh, experiments. My, my brewing experiments we got another beer coming soon so stay tuned on the Instagram for that and then you can find us at facebook.com slash beer in a movie TX and as always beer in a movie podcast.com if you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and subscribe to us, rate and review it. We know you're going to give us five stars, but please write a thoughtful review about what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see in the future. Um, send us beer mail if you uh, you know feel so inclined, especially you know if you're in the Washington, Oregon area or the uh, <laughs> New England area and have some access to maybe some Trillium or something like that. <laughs> Let me know. Uh, Canada... What's up? I know we have some listeners in Canada, so um, send us some stuff Down here in South Texas, we would love to taste your beer. We'd love to taste your beer, so send us some beer mail. You can uh, message us on any of those platforms to get an address from us. Um, How about this? The first beer mail we receive, we will drink one of those beers with a movie in the future, period. In oh, the, absolutely. In the, in the future period, we'll give you a shout-out. You know, uh, maybe, maybe we will uh, send you some DVDs of uh, essential viewing Ooh. Maybe one of us will pick a movie each to send you if you're the first person to send us some beer mail. Love it. Uh, there are definitely perks uh, to being on our good side. That's so right. That's right. Um, but until then, this has been Beer in a Movie. We talked to Lita, Rod Rodriguez, Jim Cameron. Who knows what we're going to do next? Find out soon. Adios. Adios.